0: Well, as we, <clears throat> as we think about our life together here at Oakmont in the coming week, I hope that you will pay attention to those things in your Order of Worship Bulletin this morning. We are still looking to finalize our deacon study list. So if there is some change of your status of either being on that study list or you wish to have your name removed for whatever reason during this time, we hope that you will... Kindly call the church office this week and let us know of that change in your status and we will honor that decision. I would also invite you as a congregation to to begin being very prayerful about those individuals that God is calling out to serve in the life of our church uh, over the next four years as deacons whom you will nominate and elect. And you'll also notice in your worship bulletin that we are inviting All of the Oakmont Church family to weigh in on our family night supper, whether you participate or not. We would welcome hearing from you in that regard. Well, let me invite you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the third gospel, to Luke chapter 7. We're continuing to look at some of the women of the New Testament. And this morning we're looking at a woman who anoints Jesus. And we are going to contrast and compare a little bit her behavior with the behavior of her host, who, who of, I should say, the host of the table, who was Simon the Pharisee. Now, several weeks ago, Joshua Brazil looked at a similar story and yet a different story. There was another woman in the Bible. Her name is Mary. She is the sister of Martha and Lazarus whom Jesus raised from the dead, and she too anoints Jesus' head with oil, perfume, prior to his death. But this particular event is another woman, and it occurs not down in Bethany near Jerusalem, but up north in Galilee. So, let's follow along in the Scripture, beginning with verse 36, and we'll, we'll try to set the scene of all that's going on here. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. Now, you've probably heard this before, but in the event that you haven't, you know, the Jewish people ate their banquet meals around a table that was kind of a square-like structure, and they, in essence, kind of laid on couches around that table. They would put their left arm on the little couch, use their right hand to reach out across the table to get the food. Uh, You might call it breakfast in bed. Uh, Kind of seems that way, doesn't it? And of course their feet were at the other end. So here now in verse 37 we meet a woman. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisees house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Now, many of these more well to do people this day had open courtyards that people could enter. And exit these kind of social gatherings. And so it would not have been unusual to have had some non-invited guests to show up. To kind of stand around and listen to the latest political and religious discussions of the day. So the fact that this woman comes in uninvited probably would not have been unusual at all. She comes in. She's weeping. Wiping Jesus' feet Remember his feet on the couch or at the end so she could easily get to his feet. His sandals would have already been taken off. So the feet are there for her to access. Verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, now he didn't say it aloud. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, He would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Now, a denarius was a coin, and it represented about... A day's worth of wages in that day. So one owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him mo- more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly. Jesus said. And then he turned toward the woman. Now the woman is at the end of the couch by his feet. She's standing, maybe kneeling at this point, who knows. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Now Jesus knew he had seen her. He knew exactly what Simon thought of her. But he knew she, he really hadn't seen her. As she was. Do you see this woman, Simon? I came into your house and you did not give me any water from my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this? Who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Or the Hebrew word, shalom. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, who is the real sinner at the table who's the real sinner at the table i mean that's really kind of a easy answer to an easy question right i mean the text clearly says that simon identifies the woman as a sinner and even Jesus suggests that she's a sinner. Why else would he, have say, would he have said to her, your many sins are forgiven? So who's the real sinner at the table? I mean, it's an easy answer to an easy question. It's the woman. She's the real sinner at the table. End of sermon. Would you please stand for the benediction? That's one of the easiest sermons I've ever preached in my entire life you're going to have an extra 20 minutes to make it to the K&W cafeteria today. (laughs) Or at least if you're going to Sunday school, you'll have a longer Bible study lesson, right? Or is it possible that there's another sinner at the table? Well, I can tell you that This woman is identified as a sinner and that phrase itself may well have been a euphemism to suggest that she was a prostitute. Now we don't know this for sure. Frankly, she's never identified in that fashion and her sin or her sins could have been any number of things that the Jewish people identified as sinful in that day. But one thing we know is true. It does seem that apparently this woman has had some kind kind of previous encounter with Jesus. She's been changed. And she hears now that he's in town. He's been invited to Simon the Pharisee's house for dinner. She wants to come and see him again. She walks in. That wouldn't have been an unexpected kind of Uh, coincidence or or circumstance that she would have just walked in came to the feet of Jesus and undoubtedly she remembers the healing and the forgiving tone and spirit and heart that Jesus offered her she begins to cry she remembers what Jesus has said and done for her and she begins to cry and she wipes Jesus' feet with her hair She kisses Jesus' feet. She anoints Jesus' feet with perfume. Now what you may not know is that this woman is breaking all social protocol. Number one, a woman never lets her hair down in public. And a lot of you are breaking social protocol, ladies, today. I see your hair down in public. If you were living back in that day, you kept your hair up. You never let it down, and you never touched a man in public. Now, you know one of the things I love to do as pastors, I love to speak and greet to you whenever I see you, and certainly on Sunday after the service. So I get to stand at the back, and I get all sorts of wonderful hugs from children and from ladies and even a few men. I get some hugs. But let me tell you what, ladies, you better not touch me today. At least if we were living back in Jesus' day, don't you dare touch a man, you're breaking social protocol. And you know how uncomfortable it is when people break social protocol, right? You've been in those circumstances where someone does something or says something and you just feel so uncomfortable. Can you imagine the guest reclining on the couches around the table and the woman comes in and lets her hair down and weeps on Jesus' feet and wipes Jesus' feet with her hair and kisses, touches Jesus' feet and anoints it with per- his feet with perfume. Can you imagine how there's this... <gasps> she touched a man. She let her hair down. No, no. And of course, Simon is back watching all of this, and probably for him and others around the table, it may well have confirmed the general public thinking that she is a woman of sin. Maybe she was a prostitute. We don't know. And so at that point, I think Simon certainly... Is thinking to himself if Jesus is a prophet if he claims to be all that he says he is then surely his radar screen would be up and running and he would know automatically that she is a sinner and yet he is allowing her to touch him see I think Jesus is reading Simon the Pharisees body language You know, they say that communication is 6% verbal, is 6% content, and 94% body language, nonverbal. So it's not just what you say, but it's how you say it. It's the facial expression. It's the it's the hand gestures. It's the, the total body language. So if I see you this morning and I say, you know, I really like that shirt or I like that blouse that you're wearing. It looks so good on you. That's saying one thing, right? But if I say, I really like that, shirt or blouse on you it really looks good have I communicated two different things to you see Jesus is the master body language reader and you've got friends and you've got members of your family a spouse, parents, children siblings that all you got to do is look at their face and you know what they're thinking right? isn't that right? So, in fact, some of you are looking at each other right now, smiling, saying, Yep, yep, know what you're thinking right now. So Simon has that facial expression, and Jesus knows exactly what he's thinking. He he knows that Simon the Pharisee is far more attuned to judging this woman's sinful status then he is at being open to the fact that maybe she has had a changed and forgiven heart and life. I mean, Jesus just reads it. So, Jesus is the master storyteller, right? So he says, hey Simon, i got a story for you. We call them parables. i got a story for you, Simon. Simon's ears perked up. Tell me, Jesus. Tell me. I mean, you know, Jesus is, is a rabbi, a teacher, right? So that's why Simon has invited him to his house for this little get-together, this social occasion to kind of check him out, see who he is, find out more. Simon, i got a story to tell you. There is a man who loaned two other men some money. One of them got 500 denarii, and the other one got 50 denarii. Now, if you figure that a denarius, a coin, is worth about a day's worth of wages, so let's just take an eight-hour day... an hour. We'll we'll, we'll bump it up a little above minimum wage, okay? So the man, in essence, in our dollars today, had loaned one man $40,000 and another man $4,000. And when it came time to pay off the loan, neither of them could afford to pay it. So this money lender, this man is very generous and gracious, and what does he do? He forgives the debt of both of the men. Now Simon... Which one of those two men do you think will love that money lender the most? Simon the Pharisee said, well, I suppose, did you notice in the text, that's what he said, he didn't say, I know, I I suppose that it's the one who was forgiven the most debt, whose debt was the greatest and was cancelled. And Jesus says, you you, you got it right, Simon. You judged it right. And then in front of all of his guests, Jesus calls him out. Big time. He says, Simon, let me tell you something. You see this woman over here? From the moment I have walked in, she has been wetting my feet with her tears, and Simon, you have broken all social protocol. You didn't even wash my feet. You know, people back in those days wore sandals, and they walked those dusty, dirty roads, and one of the ways that hosts offered hospitality is you give a basin of cold water, and you wash the person's feet. Simon, you didn't even wash my feet when I came in. Simon, you see that woman over there? She's been kissing my feet almost from the moment I arrived, and yet you didn't do what a good host does to a rabbi. You didn't put your hands on my shoulder and kiss me on both sides of the cheek. And let me tell you what else, Simon. That woman has anointed my feet with perfume. And from the moment I walked in, you didn't take any perfume and anoint my head with that oil, with that perfume. See, back in those days, people didn't take baths every day like we do. I bet you've never thought about Jesus having body odor. (laughs) Have you? Jesus stunk he hadn't had a bath and he'd been going around all day. So you put a little perfume on someone so that it diminishes the body odor and Simon did not do that for Jesus. And then Jesus said to him, but this woman's done all of those three things you failed to do." to do, and he says, therefore, Simon, I tell you. Her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Now, now I just want you to notice something about the woman, and I want you to notice something about Simon. This woman does not have an invited place at the table. She does not have an invited place at the table. And yet her heart has moved dramatically in the direction of Jesus. But Simon, the Pharisee, has a place at the table. Heck, it is his table. He's got a place at the table... But his heart is far away from Jesus. So which one do you think is the real sinner at the table? You know, I wonder if sometimes if we're not guilty and even doubly guilty... Of maximizing someone else's perceived wrongdoing or breaking of social protocol or sin. And minimizing our breaking of social protocol or wrongdoing or sin. Could it be... That our radar screen is always up and running when there's been some social affront that's done to us, but like Simon, we're clueless in our own ways of breaking social protocol. Is it possible that somehow we miss out on how God brings salvation into somebody else's life and forgiveness? All because we've concluded that their sin is a lot worse than ours. Simon has misunderstood that sin is sin. And while he may have established his own little hierarchy and he may be patting himself on the back saying, you know, I, I think I'm a pretty good person. I think about the Jewish law and I think about the Ten Commandments and you know, I haven't killed anybody and I've honored my mother and father and I don't lie and steal and I don't covet, covet, Haven't robbed anybody. Haven't embezzled any money out of my business or the person I work for. But somehow Simon has minimized his pride filled, self righteous, and judgmental heart. He's minimized his gossipy or his ugly toned tongue. He's minimized perhaps an addictive appetite that's led to a gluttonous body from all those meals that he hosts. And all of that potentially has shaped him into the kind of person who does not love very much because from his perspective, he doesn't need a lot of forgiveness. Because he's a pretty good guy. Simon clearly sees this woman's social miscues and sinful ways. He's blind as a bat when it comes to his own sinful ways. And for Jesus, it all boils down to forgiveness yields love. When you understand that we all are sinners saved by God's grace, then it deepens the love for God and for the plight of others. You know, the writer of James, in the New Testament, chapter 2, verse 10, makes an interesting statement. The writer of James 2, 10 says... For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles just at one point is guilty of breaking it all. Did you hear that? Whoever keeps the law and yet stumbles at just one point. is guilty of breaking it all you've dishonored your parents it doesn't matter that you've not killed committed adultery, stolen lied, coveted put another God before the real God you've broken it all because you dishonored your parents you've gossiped clearly condemned in scripture you've broken it all just fill in the blank you've broken it all I've broken it all Sin is sin, folks. Jesus makes another interesting statement in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 21, verse 23. He's talking to the Jewish religious leaders of his day. He's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. In our day, if Jesus were here today, he'd be talking to the preachers and the deacons and the Sunday school teachers. He'd be talking about me. And this is what Jesus said to the religious leaders of his day. I think he's saying it to the religious leaders of our day as well. I tell you the truth. You're not going to believe when I tell you what Jesus said. You're going to hear me say this and you're going to swear that I made this up. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, the tax collectors and the prostitutes... Are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. That's scary. Greg Rogers, the tax collectors, and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you, boy. Put your name in there. Could it be the tax collectors who were hated and despised for not only getting the taxes of the people, but skimming off the top of that for their own financial benefit? And the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before the preachers and the deacons and the Sunday school teachers and the other religious leaders? No wonder that Mahatma Gandhi, a Hindu, who was very much intrigued by Christianity, is reported to have said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Are there other sinners at Simon's table? I think so. And that sinner might just have a face that looks like not necessarily the woman who's standing at the feet of Jesus, but that sinner might just have faces that look like you and me.